Hello survivors and welcome to Medicinal Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 43 of First Aid Spray and we take to the high seas for the first of what promises to be many times in the future of the show as we return to the Survivor series to take a gander at Resident Evil Dead Aim. My name is Cy and joining me on the panel this week, keep dodging Bruce. Wait, there's a dodge button? It's KDB aka Kelsey. Taking a three-hour break from Aliens Fireteam Elite to play a nearly 20-year-old Resi spin-off, it's Moist Owlet, a.k.a. James. Absolute authority. The undisputed king of First Aid Spray's Discord server trivia night, and yet he got the Resident Evil question wrong. It's Fire Button Steve Valance. Yeah, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet, you get a buzzing in too soon. (laughs) <laughs> this, episode, <laughs> this episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live on our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find a link to the server, as well as all of our social media profiles, at our website, fasprayPod.com. You can also help the show by checking out our merch, or by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month, with various tiers, each with their own perks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for a full list and a chance to create bonus first aid spray content. We have had a few releases over the last few weeks since the last podcast of various different kinds. Uh, the Now That's What I Call Survival Horror episode on Resident Evil Revelations is out now for the public. Uh, Steve's top 10 tracks from the Revelation soundtrack, we discussed that. It's really nice to do something different. Uh, sort of an unexpected title I think which was really nice there'll be a new episode of now coming shortly for Patreon supporters as well sometime within the next week so keep your eyes open for that Uh, meanwhile over on our YouTube we released five winks to the fans Uh, Kelsey wrote voiceover and edited that one so that was a fun one indeed and speaking of bonus stuff our Super Metroid bonus podcast where we waffled on with joy about Super Metroid and its anniversary is now out on your podcast feeds and on YouTube if you haven't checked that one out yet. Get hyped for Metroid Dread uh, by listening us to us talk about the SNES Classic. That's everything from our side. Uh, Steve, why don't you take us away with the one interesting <laughs> headline from the Resident Evil News. So Japan are to release three Resident Evil box sets to celebrate the series' 25th anniversary. That's so, it. yes, as simple as that. Um, I will just go into a bit more detail as it's three box sets. Uh, what I like most about this is they're pretty much just giving nod to the fact that myself and many, many, many other fans sort of look at the series of sort of sets of trilogies. Uh, so your first trilogy is uh, Resident Evil Origins Collection, which is Zero and Remake, as well as the remakes of 2 and 3. They come in a nice uh, black slip box with the umbrella logo on. Uh, Then you have 4, 5, and 6 with the BSAA logo on it. And then a third box with 7 and Village with the sort of village-y sort of fetus logo, whatever you call that, on it as well. They all look quite nice. They're not any... So it's important to note, I suppose, that they're not re-releases of the game in any way. They're not sort of special editions. They are just the normal copies that you would buy off the shelf, just collected together uh, in a nice fancy case. They're going to look good on your shelf, but they're not like brand new releases or anything it's just a, a new way to uh, release them as a bundle um steve what do you think of of these 
Honestly, it's a nice touch. Uh, the, the the fact they're acknowledging the anniversary with more than REverse. I'm not against REverse, but the fact that there is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, not what I would have picked, but again, not against it. Is it is it just going to be Fior 4 at Japanese uh, users only, though? Is there no, like, yeah. Western... As we... Yeah, well, that's what we know so far. That there's there's been no talk about releasing them elsewhere. This is the kind of thing that I probably w- I wouldn't expect to see it elsewhere. Sadly, uh, which I suppose is a bit of a shame. Do we know if it's the uh, censored or non-censored versions? Um, I well. actually have. You can certainly figure that out. I don't think I have the information right in front of me, but uh, yeah, you they can... are censored. It's yeah, a... the, right. They're the censored versions. They right, are censored. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Kelsey, what do you make of this? Yeah, they look nice, but it, like you said, it's nothing new. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be sad that I don't have them. Um, yeah, it's not much to say. Shame it's not the OG games, but you know. <laughs> yeah, what, suppose you, that, what can I you suppose do? that's true. <laughs> I mean, this is for... I don't know if there's like an Xbox version or anything coming out for this. Um, looking at all these games, they are available on Xbox. Uh, but yeah. of course, with it releasing in Japan, uh, not a huge Xbox audience over there at the moment. Uh, so I don't know for sure if that's the case or not. Uh, James, what do you reckon of this little collection? Oh, they look really nice, but I won't get them. Cause... No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. I mean, and at the same time, like, with the censorship as well on 7 and Village, like, it's, you know, we're getting less of a game as well if you do get it, so. Right, that's true. And 2 and 3 as well would be the, uh, I guess, the Z versions or whatever you call them at the, or yeah. how I mean, they define it. They haven't mentioned it, but, I mean, it's, I think we've gone past this era now, but and I don't mean to hype people up, but like in in the past when they've released like region specific or like software specific stuff, there's been extra content. Right. Um, that was way in the past. We're talking like ten plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, maybe that's kind of something maybe I thought about, but uh, yeah, I just won't buy them because. Well, there was no, there would be no point in them if they come. If they come over here, then yeah, because sure know, we won't. Is the PS4 region locked? I can't remember. I would imagine so. Mm, uh, in, okay. in in most, if not all, cases, yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess with it being, as I say, just sort of the standard release that you'd pick up off the shelf anyway. Uh, a lot of fans will probably have most of these games already and in right. in some form um quite possibly all on the ps4 you know i've only had a ps4 myself for a couple of years and i've got the majority of these uh just because i thought well why not i'll pick up five and six and stuff on the ps4 again they go they retail relatively cheap as it is i suppose what's the most interesting thing out of all of this that we haven't mentioned is uh three trilogies uh, so that last box with seven and village actually has a little slot there a little a little gap which is quite interesting i suppose you know you could put revelations in there or whatever you like but maybe that slot is there for a future title uh question mark yeah i mean evil twix (laughs) says you get postcards instead oh okay well that's something i suppose it's a spot it's a slot for your postcards (laughs) right it's (laughs) 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 no i guess that i Read into it as much as you'd like, I suppose, but maybe that's sort of a, a soft confirmation that Resident Evil 9 is going to be a continuation of or, what we've seen in Village and, and 7, which I guess isn't really a big, like, that's not a shocking revelation, is it? But Or it's the big empty hole that is our reverse. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, yeah. That's the... That's the gap in our lives that our reverse has left. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's all we have for news recently. I expect we'll be having a lot more as we draw closer to the end of the year. Because um, uh, the 25th anniversary celebrations, I mean, they're technically they're going to roll on until the 26th anniversary. So we've got until March for some more announcements of that kind. And obviously, we've got the film uh, on the horizon. We're sort of expecting a trailer at any point now. So uh, it's just been a bit of a dry month. Nonetheless, we'll move on to our main subject for this podcast, which is... Something that we've been waiting to talk about for quite a while. Resident Evil Dead Aim. And now, reading the file, regular report number 1162 from Resident Evil Dead Aim, Miss Eileen Valentine, who you can follow on Twitter at Ms. Eileen Valentine. The Headquarters Internal Investigation Department. Attention, O'Neill. This will be my final report on Morpheus for a while since it appears that he is starting to suspect something. Until further notice from me, please refrain from contacting me so that I can devote myself to doing my regular job as his aide. After robbing the lab in Paris, Morpheus appears to be preparing to board the cruiser to auction the items. His obsession with the beauty keeps escalating, and recently he has undergone plastic surgery to retain his youthful looks. He often says questionable phrases like, I will eliminate the ugly things in the world and create my kingdom filled with beauty. We need to take action against him before it becomes too late, since he's currently in negotiations with several countries, including the United States. So, Resident Evil Dead Aim was revealed at Tokyo Game Show 2002, uh, released sort of throughout the first half of 2003. Uh, much like Gun Survivor 2, uh, it wasn't expected to release, at least in America or perhaps outside of Japan at all, uh, but it did come to everywhere across the world. Uh, unlike Gun Survivor 2, which didn't come to America, it's the fourth game in the Survivor series after Dino Stalker, sort of the weird Resident Evil Gun Survivor, Resident Evil Gun Survivor 2, Dino Crisis Gun Survivor, and now we're back with Biohazard Gun Survivor 4, Heroes Never Die. Um, it was released to be compatible with the PlayStation 2 GunCon 2 controller, uh, but I don't think anyone here has sadly had that experience uh, with the I guns. have. Oh, you have, Steve. A million so, years ago. Oh, it's, well, million perfect. Years ago. Well, in that case, what was your experience like? I imagine that was your first Dead Aim experience with the gun, was it? Yeah. Uh, I say GunCon, it was like some third party you get from, you right. know, yeah, uh, it was okay, honestly. Uh, my memories of, of this have changed. Uh, we won't go into it just yet, but yes. Uh, it was adequate for teenage Steve to enjoy the game. And uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, it's very much in a similar process to when you would use a mouse now. Right. Yeah, yeah when you go into use the pad for most of your manipulation, then you go into aim mode and use the gun con, or in this case, it would be the mouse to manipulate the screen and blast the enemies in them foreheads and stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's fairly what you'd expect. Especially if you played, you know, the Western copy, the well, the the European copies of Survivor, when you switch it to gun mode. Well, I suppose in Survivor you're in gun mode all the time, but you, mm-hmm. it, it was all right, all right. You know, <laughs> you have to calibrate it like any light gun game. And uh, honestly, I think because of the way the gun con two, or rather this uh, third party gun con two worked, you could also like do a lot of the controls just from the gun itself, just yes. not the entire thing. Right, that's interesting because I remember. I think I probably talked about it when we covered Survivor. I've, I have played that with a third-party gun uh, and obviously as you say that's all from the aiming perspective so you're expected to be able to walk around in it but i guess 
this is controls for this are way less tanky, so I suppose it does make sense to be difficult to, without slapping an analog stick on the side of your gun. Maybe it might be kind of difficult to move around. So fair enough. Um, in general, with your first experience, how did you find Dead Aim? Do you have fond memories? Looking back, I think I had rose tinted uh, opinions on this game. Uh, mm -hmm. Generally, had a, a reasonably good time. From what I remember, it was one of those that you, because of its brevity, you tend to go through it, enjoy it, move on. Sure. And come come back again for the novelty of a light gun game. Yeah. Uh, this opinion has changed. Okay, we'll get to that, certainly. Um, KDB, I know you've played this at least briefly before now. What was your first experience of Dead Aim like? Yeah, I played it when it came out, um, rented it from Film Spotting, which also had games as well as films. Um, I hadn't heard of it. I didn't have the internet until like 2004 when I only got magazines kind of semi-regularly. The first time I heard of Dead Aim was seeing it on the shelf and I thought, you know, Resident Evil. Wow, here's a spin-off I've not heard of. The main thing I remember, so there's two things. One, I don't think I finished it uh, because I could only ever remember the boat sections or the mm. ship sections. Then I just remember while I was playing it just being... It, this was Resident Evil, but I was like, oh, where's where's any of the characters that I know or care about? Right. And I think I was just, you know, I was a lot younger. I wasn't really willing to invest too much time into it, so I think I got bored of it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I think I just found it quite difficult to get into, and I would have only played it with a controller back then, and I played it with a controller now as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only... I did play Survivor with the light gun. I remember having a blast with that, but for this... Yeah, it was. It didn't stick with me. I remember briefly playing it back in the day, and yeah. I haven't played it again since until this past week. Kelsey was like, "Where's Ark? How can this be a survivor game without Ark?" <laughs> 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 yeah, um, do you know this is one of the one of the few games that I just never never got around to. I've never played it um, until now. Maybe I booted up for a couple of minutes, but I never actually sat down and what I would call actually played it until now. It's just one of those things that I get. Just sort of putting off. I've had a copy for about a decade, I guess. It was when I got sort of after a lull, um, and I, I came back to the series a little bit around 2012 when the revelations came out and stuff like that. Uh, and I had a bit more disposable income, so I was buying stuff like the S.T. Perry books and just buying a bunch of spin-offs I hadn't purchased. Uh, that was when I first bought the Outbreak games and stuff like that. So I remember buying it around that time, um, but I just never got around to booting it up. And I haven't played it until now. So this is, uh, like James, of course, I'm sure you've never played this before. This is my um, first experience with it for the podcast. So there you go. Um, so as sort of touched on, this is a survivor game with a twist. It does have first-person elements, but it is a combination of third-person running around uh, 3D environments and then swapping to first-person for combat. That's kind of like the big hook of the game. Um, James, how did you feel about that concept? The uh, yeah, uh, well, I remember because me and Steve we played this recently, mm -hmm. and I remember um, <laughs> as soon as I picked up because I was the first one to touch the controller to play it. And as soon as I picked it up, I went, "Oh," because <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Resident Evils are like in general are pretty, uh, especially the older ones are pretty uh, alien. If you compare them sure. to yeah. uh, recent titles, and like, but when I picked this up, it felt even more alien, and I was like, oh, "Okay, how's this gonna work?" Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that that it was, um, 
it was it was an experience uh and i'll talk more about kind of how i dealt with it later on because it was so and please don't hate me because it was so clunky i found ways of just dealing with that yeah um and not using most of the tools i was given (laughs) (laughs) um because yeah um because it's a you know you're trying i mean i was playing on controller i know that's what it what what wasn't intended to be played but it was like a twitch shooter like in terms of mm. like how i was playing it um because there wasn't no any like kind of gradual um there wasn't any kind of gradual movement it was just you know sudden movements with the with the with the targeting and i'm terrible mm-hmm. at controller targeting as is um, so yeah, when you put, when you give me a controller and, and it's a Twitch shooter and it's a third person game, like it, it, it was blowing my mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely relate to some of that. Definitely. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about the, the sort of the basic controls and the basic gameplay? Same boat as James. Like as I have only like minimal reference memory for how I played it with the gun con. Mm. Uh, yeah. Using the controller, not, not the best time. Uh, especially considering that I am, uh, I, this is quote unquote learning from the internet uh, that the, this game was running on IdTech Three, the Quake Three engine. Uh, so right. to say that it's, that's a shooter, uh, a shooter-based like FPS engine, and I'm having sort of struggle playing a first-person shooting game. Uh, not a good look. Mm. Uh, I'm going to put a big citation need on that engine thing, but I've had a few a few sources, but they're all the internet. So you know, take that as is. Yeah, it's when it's a. Uh obscure title from a a spin-off title from 2003 these things can be hard to clarify yeah i I will say this though like depending on how you approach and play dead aim i think can really improve the experience because if you're playing it as a run and gun game it doesn't quite have the right controls for it but honestly Mm -hmm. i think when me and james were playing the evasion game and just thinking we could just run past these guys actually not too bad to do that or achieve so yeah, I, I guess your your mileage may vary on how you play the game in terms of how your other controls will work with you. Yes, uh, I will definitely come back to that particular point as well. But Same. Kelsey, uh, what are your general thoughts on the controls? Did you also have a uh, reaction like we all seem to have had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I ran past most things as well. Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's just the best way to play it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a good concept, and I think. From what I understand, I did a bit of reading. When it came out, a lot of people thought this was a really good effort at trying to mix the two kind of the first person and third person. Like it wasn't like panned or anything like that. It's just clearly supposed to be played with a light gun and with the controller. Mm. It is, James said, it's just clunky. And it's a shame because I don't hate the switching between third and first person in kind of, you know, on paper. But when you actually have to do it with the controller, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a pain. Yeah. Um, shooting is fun, and thankfully the D-pad lets you lock on to things, which makes oh. stuff infinitely easier. <laughs> Never knew that. that. You... Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, James, I didn't find out until about halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit left or right. It, it switches cycles between enemies. Um, okay. It doesn't let you invert Y-axis, which for me almost mm. completely spoilt it, because I need to invert, uh, so it made it a bit more of a struggle. Um Maneuvering in third person is quite difficult. Like, there's no quick turn. But luckily, most of the enemies are really slow, so you can just run past them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, controls-wise, 
super super clunky didn't hate the concept just it was a struggle to play it for me yeah you know the clunkiness is I can't, it's it's one of those things where I, I can sort of look at it from various different angles because what James has said is sort of about Resident Evil controls always being kind of uh, alien or and we sometimes we defend that as kind of like it's intentional or it's a limitation blah 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 and that adds to it overall I couldn't help but think about that some of the earlier games that came before this where that sort of adds to sort of the mood of the game and how you feel playing it. Um, so it did provide a little bit of charm in that way. I was okay with some of the clunkiness. It made me think of classic Resident Evil. But the problem does sort of lie in the fact that, yeah, aiming and firing, whilst it can be fun, uh, if you're too surrounded and you're sort of just flailing around like a Twitch shooter uh, and the game is just going, you're looking at this now. Now you're focusing on this. You are better off running past things, which is a shame because the game's kind of about shooting things, right? It's called Dead Aim. It's a gun con game, but you are better off not bothering. You know, there's you don't get anything for it. You can avoid a lot of the combat. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's weird. I have to chime in. I have to chime in. Two things. There is a quick turn. You, you tap down on the stick twice, it flicks you around. Again, I, oh. I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. I, I discovered it by it. accident, guys. I was literally... <laughs> yeah. saying, but this is, a, this is a, a, a James Moore style revelation to me when I found it. And two, enemies do drop <laughs> items, including uh, bullets and I believe a few lawn Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair it's enough. comical as well, because if you shoot a zombie with a critical headshot, the bullet packet appears to sprout out of their head as they die. <laughs> <laughs> you can see, because after a, a certain amount of the game, I realised there's not much point in me fighting any more of these monsters, so I guess I just never witnessed it, because if I was, it was usually just to take them down and run past. I wasn't really just going to stand there and empty all my ammo just to kill, you know, random zombie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so one thing I wanted to kind of addendum onto kind of what I said earlier and what you went, what you just said, Sai, is yeah, like the, the, the controls for like older resis are a bit alien, right? But they always worked, right? Because mm. it was like, it was meant to give you that suspense. You were meant to get lock, be locked into that aiming stance, right? right? Because that was the suspense. Except this game went a little bit too far with that. Like, because mm. it, it, on controller, like on light gun, it might have been better. I can't, I can't speak for that. Um, but it it is the same premise, like of being locked in place and having to go into you know aiming mode. But it's it's zoomed in, mm. um, and I think it goes too far because the suspense is lost. Because we were we would get to a point and would see you know just the same as you folks would. We get to a point you you walk into a room and all of a sudden there are fifty zombies in the room, right? You'd be like, nah, I don't want to deal with that, you know. Uh, it just took me like 20 bullets to kill one zombie and then right. like 10 of those bullets went wide because I can't shoot. And <laughs> so I'm just going to zoom by. Yeah, so I, I I just think it went a little bit too far with the with trying to put you in suspense because I don't think, I mean, we'll go into it later. I don't think any time during this game I was actually in any kind of suspense. No, no. And I mean, I would say that um, this isn't really designed to be a suspensefully horror game, but uh, the controls, like you say, are, are a little bit built perhaps with that in mind, maybe. Um, you can move while you're aiming uh, a little bit, but there's not really, there's not much point to it. You're better off coming out of aiming and having full control rather than this sort of like yeah. stilted control that you can have. Yeah, um, Steve, was, Steve was very good at that. 
What I'm was good it? at everything, and I'm modest. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we think about? So let's just just start off sort of leaping into other just gameplay points. Any particular positives or negatives? Um, uh, so for me, sorry, uh, something that, just, that I just liked as a, as a minor thing was uh, having a few different handguns to play with was kind of nice. Made me. Kind of like, almost like a nice little nod to the original Survivor, where you have a handgun to start, and then you find another one depending on what route you go. So there's there's four handguns uh, to play with in the original Survivor, and you've got in this the regular handgun, the silence handgun, the semi-automatic handgun. Uh, the weapons in general were kind of nice. Uh, I did. This is my PSA. Don't miss the grenade launcher. Probably would have helped me a lot, but I went completely past it somehow. I think it's in a hallway outside a save room, and I somehow missed it completely. Uh, which would have helped a lot, specifically in the the <laughs> boss fight with Pluto. I pretty much just had to use the silence pistol. I had I had nothing else, so that took a few tries. Um, Kelsey, general thoughts on positives and negatives for the gameplay? Yeah, so I so I will say, and some people might disagree with this. I thought the inventory system was really good and super yeah. fluid. I like how it breaks stuff up. Like reloading guns is instantaneous in the inventory as well. Mm -hmm. I like that. That sort of ties in with a super fluid, like, you know, fast-paced, like, gun shooter. Sure. And then, obviously, outside of that, some of it's a bit more clunky. So, um, yeah, the, and the weapon variety was cool. You know, the the charger energy weapon thing at the end is obviously nuts, but quite fun <laughs> to use. Um, so that's definitely a positive. Um, the letting you easily discard handgun ammo, I think, is just little things like that, which the game that i was kind of already struggling with just mm. in general to to get on with when little bits like that happened i was like okay that's good that's good i do like that so stuff that didn't slow me down uh, definitely wasn't the inventory uh, so yeah and i like the, the, ra the range of weapons i found the grenade launcher because i followed a guide online so um, <laughs> <laughs> um i uh which i'm not ashamed to admit i just wanted to get through this mm -hmm. um i probably could have got through it without the guide quite easily but yeah um, it's not exactly yeah, a, uh... the Games get lost in, yeah. is it, particularly. It's fairly straightforward. Yeah, and I think you mentioned as well, the, the shooting, like, the first-person shooting is fun, and you could see some sort of polish elsewhere, and where this is, at its core, a light gun game. Mm. Yeah, that can be really fun. So I didn't, didn't hate that. I didn't really dislike that. It was just the clunkiness around it. So there was definitely stuff in there to enjoy. It just didn't kind of mesh together as well as I would have liked it to. Mm -hmm. I just want to just sort of... Uh, expand upon what you were saying about the inventory there for because I know there might be people listening because Dead Aim is not exactly the game that everyone gravitates towards there are probably people out there that haven't necessarily played it um, what Kelsey's referring to is that uh, you have six slots for ammunition inventory and if you're carrying if you want to go to pick up something fancier than handgun ammo the game will basically ask do you want to drop some handgun ammo which is you're right it's fantastic it also supplies you with a hell of a lot of handgun ammo in every single save room just like Here's enough for a whole inventory, which is kind of nice. Uh, you, If you do stop to fight things, you're going to burn through it. Uh, generally speaking, I'd sort of burn through it anyway. Uh, but it was nice that was all there. Uh, Steve, positives and negatives of the gameplay? Did you know this game actually features critical headshots? As in, like, Umbrella Chronicles aim for the forehead. Mm. With, like, every zombie. And that's why they're so fiddly. I, I actually... When you're battling the zombies and going around the environments... I actually didn't mind that too much, even though eventually me and James ascended into let's just walk past them, you know, sure. like because they react well, they have so many unique models and honestly a fun time uh, mm. blasting them and sneaking around them. 
not a bad time. The exploring in the environment the most is, uh, I want to say, tepid at best because it's a bit, it's all dark. Like, I don't think there's any room in this game that's particularly well lit. Mm. And it's a bit murky because it's on the PS2. Mm. So, yeah, getting about was a bit of a slog. I, I uh, actually want to draw attention to the fact that uh, the map actually feels like it's been pulled out of Silent Hill with the fact that yes. there's so many doors that don't work and the actual aesthetic of it and Bruce marks Making stuff notes. on the map. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's okay. The gameplay is okay. Until you get to boss fights, but I'm assuming we're going to touch on that in its own little bit. Yes. If we're not, then yeah, we will. Don't you worry, we've got things to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's serviceable. I want to say, like, in, in, in all the ways that that Survivor was kind of wacky and strange, this is a bit more ironed out. Like, almost like the, it's it's no longer rough around the edges at all. Mm. Uh, except for the boss fight caveat. But yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, James, major positives and negatives for you? I can only echo about the infantry system. I mm. didn't like it at first, but when I got used to it, um, yeah, I only actually played two levels of this because we didn't realize how short this game was. Right. So Steve just kind of, you know, <laughs> raced through the other four levels. Fished but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, like because we were like, this sound, this feels like it's going to be the end of the game, and then I looked up and. It is the end of the game. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, infantry system is great. Um, I would have liked in the infantry system, I mean, it's, I, this might be gameplay, like some, like I would have liked some kind of RPG element or upgrading element that we normally get in a Resident Evil game. That would be um, cool. Because we never got that. We got, oh, here's a new handgun. Here's another new handgun. Yeah, you know, as much as I kind of like all the different handguns, you're right. Maybe it would be cool to have pieces that you can snap onto your handgun instead. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I, I, yeah, like it was very satisfying to get those crits as well mm. uh, when you did get them. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I, I just I just really didn't enjoy the... Um, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy the, the shooting part. I enjoyed the, do- I, I enjoyed the dodging part. That was fun. <laughs> You know, having to dodge and dive and move through 50 zombies was super fun. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to add, I don't think. That's fair. Um, I use the machine gun, it blinds you and may cause epileptic oh, seizures. Yeah. It's terrible. That's oh a... my god. I had a headache after you put a full mag into something. Mm. Serious that... warning, I'm not even joking. Oh, genuinely, like... genuinely. I played this every uh, sort of every night this evening to get through it. I played it in short bursts. Um I would have much preferred to have played it in the daytime. But yeah, if you genuinely have uh, epileptic or seizure issues, don't play this game, basically. Cause, or at yeah. least, very at the very least, avoid uh, both the automatic weapons that both characters have. Because uh, yeah, it's mental. Like That's one of those things where that's... It's 2003. That, should come with, that will come with a warning moving forward if it ever got re-released. They have to change that because it is, it's so much. Um. Yeah, I mean, as you guys sort of touched on, James, you said, you know, it's it's short. It, you know, kind of helps the arcade sort of feel, perhaps. I had fun with it, even though it was short. I think, you know, not to put the cup for the horse, I think that if uh, if I was excited for this game at launch and I bought it at launch, I feel like I might have been a bit disappointed by the length of it. But as it stands now, playing it at this point and looking backwards, I... Just found the whole package quite interesting, uh, kind of quaint and charming in its own ways. I was genuinely pretty happy with the way that it played uh, and the length. 
and that kind of thing. But perhaps young me would have been like, well, where's the rest of the game? But nonetheless, uh, let's move forward to locations. Uh, Steve, you touched on sort of like the look, which is definitely something that we'll have to get into. Um, that being said, I quite like the Spencer Rain. It, it's funny, Kelsey, you were saying about how you thought this game, you know, there was more boat to it or whatever. You didn't realise it was more than the boat. It's kind of like how people feel about Zero being the resi game on a train, but it's not really, is it? Just for five minutes. Uh, I was surprised that the Spencer Rain part was over, you know, less than halfway through the game. Uh, but I, I thought that the concept of this sort of like uh, big ship with this umbrella auctioneer bidding war at high seas was, was a really cool idea. Um the the layout's good you know it's fairly realistic it's not absolutely mad video game silly layout it's it's like a real ship to a certain extent uh, with a few neat tricks to make navigating it and backtracking it easier um, it doesn't overstay its welcome because if it was if it stayed around too long then you probably would have to do something silly and add, add a laboratory into it and it just get wacky uh, but because you're only there a certain amount of time it allows it to be realistic so i was pretty happy with the spencer rain uh, the rest of the locations were just kind of fine to me, just sort of, eh. Steve, how do you feel about the variety of locations in Dead Aim? The ship is uh, obviously the standout. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. like 99.9% .9 sure this is modelled on a real ship that Capcom went to. It feels, there's too much reason to its layout. Yeah, you know? some of it's based on the actual Titanic layout, apparently. Oh, wow. Apparently. Wow. Uh, that, that, that's... Uh... Again, source where, where is are the, the internet. Where's that cool <laughs> rudder bit from the film where they go and hits and he spins? Now, um, <laughs> the, the the ship is the most realistic and fine part of the game. The rest is dipping into... I don't even want to know. I don't even know how to describe it. The sewers are some of the blandest things mm. I've ever experienced in a, a first-person game. And first-person games love their sewer levels. You know, there's always one in every freaking game. And then following the sewers, you then have what appears to be some tunnels, which are basically the same, just without the water. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, and, uh, which also share the same kind of elevator as the boat for some reason. And, and, and then you have a lab, which is just sterile white corridors with mm. pressurized doors. Mm -hmm. It kind of it kind of lost itself in this in the last two thirds. I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of a bit. Ah, this is okay. Um, but again, I, I think it's a case of because it's so dark and murky most of the time, it gets away with trying to be quote unquote a horror game, even though it's more of an action game. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's that. not there's barely any set dressing to it as well. It's kind of that's the thing that pulls me out a little. Yeah. Uh, any, aesthetically. Like, yeah, that it's 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 just like here's the location, but we're not going to add. Yeah, set dressing is exactly like no environmental storytelling. Uh, no character to any particular rooms, really. I the other one would be like, I mean, I think there's in one bit in the, uh, I said this to James when we do our recent play, there's one room in the lab I can remember, and it's because it looks like the dormitory in the lab in RE2, mm. a little. Yes, that stands uh, out for me. And the room where you get the charging gun thing was kind of different looking. Yeah, and, and, and basically that looked like the inside of a Mako reactor or something without the glow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James, thoughts on the locations in general? Uh, the ship, I, I have, as well known, if, in the real world, like me and Steve are like two sides, two sides of the same coin. Like in the real world, I have great geography and like like direction, like on where I'm going mm -hmm. and where things are. 
but in video games that it that is not the case i don't <laughs> know where i'm going because uh, i for some reason my brain cannot like because i'm c- controlling through another character i think my brain's like no you can't work this out even if you have a map just you know figure it out just by random and that's what i felt like with this game however it did help like there was there were some points where just due to that map system mm. um, going around the locations was really really uh it was much easier um i think even at some point i actually took charge and i was like no no we're going this way um which you know is a testament to its to the map right um because i did kind of know where we were going on that ship um even and we were just rushing through that ship um but yeah, the ship itself, as Steve said, like it, it felt, it did feel like the ship was, the, it being designed on a ship was put first, rather than it being designed for a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like for, I mean, an example was going into the main hall, and there being four, you know, there being like one unlocked door, and there being like four or five locked doors. You know, and like it's that was very. So to me, that it, that was very anxiety, like kind of. It's right. like, um, am I going to come back to these doors? I think one of the doors didn't even open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was uh, actually that's a running trend throughout the game. There are doors that you are locked, and the game says they're locked, and you just cannot go through them, even though they look like they go to the like the same places. Mm. Like, and there's some doors that just lock <laughs> behind yep. you. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's like. But they don't tell you that, and there's no reason for it. They just happen. And in previous cutscenes, you know, within the ship uh, and uh, and later levels, there'll be a door that will open. You cannot go back to that door. Like you can't do. You can't because we tried. You cannot go back to that door. There's no way. Like it's like because we were going through a certain section, and uh, it was when we were doing the uh, Fong section, and. Um, two doors opened up, and we were wondering how the hell do we get these doors? Surely that could open up. This is a Resident Evil game. Surely they did open up, but we could not go back, huh. like to get those um, to get those doors. At least we couldn't find a way anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, so that, that I mean, the cruise ship part was great because it was just plain sailing. It was go from one side of the ship to the other, do the objectives. Um, the like the ground waterways and the freight passage. Ugh. It was so boring mm. and. Like I felt for Steve, I I apologized to him. I said I'm so sorry. I just passed the controller to you. And you have to go through the section. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, 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 ladies and gentlemen, listeners. Yeah, James gets the boat part of Dead Aim, and Steve got the rest. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't realize how long the game was. <laughs> like Wonderful. I, I, I did take the controller again, like momentarily at the end of the game. Um, I, I know you guys can remember the Benthic Laboratory, but I can't remember anything. Mm. Um. Yeah. Uh. Man, no, I can't remember anything. The missile facility, though, I can remember that because you know why I can remember that because we were both very upset. <laughs> I, I'm know. guessing that's something we're going to get onto later. I imagine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, but overall, the way the locations looked, especially for the time the, the time this game came out, they looked great. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the the environments looked mm-hmm. fantastic. Okay. Uh, um, they, I mean, this this game came out in two thousand three, was it? Yes. Yeah, I mean that's pretty good for that time. But I mean, there was also a lot of things up in the air. I think like RE four came out the year after the after that. Yeah. I remember yeah. the day. Um, but I mean that would just blow everything else out of the water. 
Um, this wasn't being made by uh, Capcom's number one teams, so there is that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I just went on diatribe. But yeah, um, <laughs> locations, I thought they looked okay, but they also were very samey. Um, yeah. yeah. But they, they graphically, they looked fine. Yeah, the graphic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We'll talk about sort of aesthetics later, but overall, the graphics are fine. But yeah, for me, it's just as everyone said, they just get a bit drab and boring. The longer, the further down those sort of corridors, you know, you go further down those tunnels, you go. Uh, Kelsey, you made a noise. How do you feel about the locations? I'm guessing not great. <laughs> <laughs> I made a noise. Um, yeah, I won't repeat everything the guys have said. You all took the words out of my mouth, like samey and stuff. I had written down just so much of it, so nondescript and boring. So I won't repeat all of that. Um, I will. I will say, like, I think. James said it, it looks pro- quite good for the era. I think games came out before this, which looked a lot better, I would say. Now, is that what's that to do with? I don't know. I don't know if it's to do with budget, maybe. I mean, yeah. you know, I'll talk a bit more about the graphics later because I do have some thoughts there. But so much of it, I thought, was so... There's too many empty hallways and all that. Mm. Um, I will say, as a positive, there is something to the tight hallways and the symmetry of the boat. It does mm. make it difficult to get around in like a good way i don't think it's a bad thing like that's where i found myself a little bit my heart rate going up but especially because it is so dark and if we're going to find any kind of survival horror stuff in here that worked yeah. i suppose yeah um detail wise there wasn't much there but yeah, so the boat was good okay to good um this is i won't hold it against this game because this came out obviously for a lot of these others, but so there's eight boats in Resident Evil games in total. <laughs> <laughs> there's there, Boys so the first research. one, the f- the first one was Gate was Gaiden, obviously. Right. Um. I I mean I presume that came out before this. I'm yes, pretty sure it, it did. Yeah. Um. And then there's this. There is three in Revelations. There's Annabelle and RE7. There's Tricell Tanker and RE5. And there's an aircraft carrier and RE6. Now yeah. I don't know why they just keep going back to the well with boats and i was thinking about this earlier and i don't know if maybe steve or james might have any thoughts is there a reason like this idea of a boat and a cruise ship is this some kind of metaphor like they can't just be that unimaginative that they keep using cruise ships like there has to be a reason do we we need to to isolate the cast yeah we're gonna get to re9 and it's like I don't know. There's this big revelation that collect that connects to cruise ships because <laughs> I can't hold, I can't hold it against this. The cruise at the time, ship controversy. When I first played this, I was like, "Oh, a, cru- a cruise ship!" But doing it now, I'm like, "Oh, we've seen boats a million times in RE. It's yeah. really bad." So that kind of stuck with me. So any thoughts on that would be good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking. I know this is this is wild. Like going this direction, but this is these are Japanese games, and you know. Japan is on an island and you know it's like they're they're very like proud of like their fleets and stuff you know I'm what mm. I'm just wondering if that is a maybe you know <laughs> that's the first thing where do we have a level uh, you know and immediately in Japan someone says a ship yeah someone looks out the window and sees a exactly. boat exactly <laughs> yeah, I, <don't> <laughs> I don't know I think Steve's got hit it right on there on the head is that they haven't yet taken Resident Evil into space uh, so the closest parallel to nobody can hear you scream is in the middle of the ocean yeah either that or i need to double check batman's timeline but there might be somewhere where spencer's in with like big cruise line manufacturers and 
just completely goes to town, spending his entire fortune getting big fancy boats yeah, with lambs maybe. on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to say big farmer and then big fisher, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Excellent. It's just uh, like, and I, I will say, like, I love Revelations. I've said before, and I love the cruise ship stuff in that. Um, but just, yeah, I've just thought about it after playing this. Like, God, there's so many of them. And I, I can't think of another franchise that just reuses the same location over and over. Like, this is called Resident Evil Dead Aim. There's so many Western influences in it. Why is it not set in a desert, like, in a saloon or something like that? That's what I want to see. Um, so, yeah, got a bit sick of the boat. But there you go. And now, reading the file Morpheus's Journal from Resident Evil Dead Aim in character as Morpheus D. Duval, David Lamb, who you can follow on Twitter at David Lamb VA. Thoughts on my kingdom. The symbol of power is in Africa. The symbol of knowledge is here in the biosphere. The symbol of beauty is mine. The beauty controls everything, and I shall dominate it. Establishing a kingdom where beauty has absolute authority is the dream, which I must make a reality. I was disappointed by Umbrella's betrayal, but that's fine. I'll just use them in return, if I secure enough funds. I will materialize the construction of my kingdom deep in Africa. Morpheus D. Duval. All right, well, let's, let's sick of the boat. Let's move away from locations and talk about BOWs for a bit. Um, this is something that I feel overall pretty positively about. So I'm interested to hear what other people thought. For me, uh, I'm pretty happy that there's some decent amount of uh, originality in here. You've got zombies. You have hunters, but they're sort of brand new variations, which we'll get into. Uh even some of the original creatures, right, so the Nautilus and the Torpedo Kids, they're pretty rubbish, but at least something new that you've never seen before in Resident Evil is kind of cool. Pluto is essentially skag dead, uh, but it was new then, and it was like, oh, it's a brand new monster. We, we didn't, like, so much as I love Survivor, and the reasons that I love Survivor in doing sort of include throwing everything at the character, it has, you know, giant alligators and tyrants popping up constantly and stuff. This has got brand new and exclusive BOWs that have never been in anything else. Kelsey, what do you think of the sort of roster of enemies? I, I agree. There's some variety in there. Um, the zombies are a bit kind of... Naff. Nah. You know, they're zombies, yeah. But outside <laughs> of that, like the, the hunters were super cool. They caused me more damage than anything else in the yeah. game. Um, they're super fast with their jumps and things. Torpedo kids, like... This, the name's a bit silly, and you you never get a great look at them. But yeah. again, it's like, oh, this is new. This is like a good concept. But exactly what you're saying. Like, there's a nice variety in here. Um, I will say I liked the captain of the ship zombie, if I'm going to oh, pick yeah, a zombie. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, a, was like cool. a cool little section, you know, and he's obviously the captain and all this kind of stuff just because of the way he's dressed. Um, the... Um, you know, outside of them, the the tyrant. It's cool to see a tyrant, but just it's just so flaccid, like as a boss, that you know it doesn't leave any kind of lasting impact. Mm. Um, and I won't go into too much about the other bosses, um, but the same sort of thing with them. The boss fights were just 
you know, they're just like the the some of the easiest parts of the game for me. They're really uninspiring. Um, the end boss is just a giant blob, and it's <laughs> a bit uninteresting. Though I did like the head popping out of like the you know buttholes on the front of the blob. It just sort of <laughs> one had to say, it. I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> like a bit like whack a mole. Um, so that was fun. Uh, yeah, there's a few. There's some intrigue in this, and they tried to come up with a few new things, which I really liked, and it's definitely one of the strongest points of the game i think in terms mm. of that um when we look for things and i'll talk about this more in my summary about what make this a resident evil game for me it's kind of strong that sort mm. of stuff with mm. the bow's and whether or not they're easy to kill fine you know that's game a gameplay thing but right. design wise they've tried to do something mm. um no big complaints really apart yeah. from like i said the boss fights i um <clears throat> i will say two sort of corrections so what I previously said, number one, I said, not really a game based around suspense all that much. Uh, but when the glimmers show up, that was yeah. deeply terrifying. And talking about putting enemies down, I don't think I killed a single one. I just unloaded all my ammo into it and they just kept getting back up. So that was another yeah. case of run past because terrifying sort of like glowing red eyes in the dark. Re I, I actually really, really liked that whole section for that reason. Um, and I, did, I, just, I literally just said zombies are a bit naff. They don't really pose much of a threat, except one moment where you're in the waterways, uh, particularly when you're playing as Fong Ling. Um, you go up a staircase, get an item and come back down, and you've been chased by a bunch of zombies at this point. They all just sort of gather at the staircase. <laughs> so you have to sort of like cut a path through, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, James, how did you feel about the BOWs in the boss fights at large? Uh, I'll talk about BOWs first. Mm -hmm. So yeah, th this game has got a lot of callbacks to like the previous games that came before um, and kind of because uh, Sonny just said in chat, may maybe this is like a test run for future games like RE4, et cetera. Um, and you can see that in this game. They've sure. also got, they've also got like wasps. Um, yes. I, think, I yeah. think they're called halberts or halberds yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, which we again, just ran past, <laughs> but um mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we. I remember we saw, and I think we were just screaming at each other at this point. We were just like, ah, 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 bees, bees, and we just ran. We just ran full Nicolas Cage. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, we were terrified <laughs> of those gl those glimmers as well. Like the red tracing that they were doing around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But the the problem is that the glimmers were put in a pretty crappy place. Um. I feel like if they were put elsewhere, they would they they would have been used. They would have been much more. Um, uh, they, they would they would have scared us more because we just. I like you say like they were cool, but we just ran past them, mm. or rather Steve ran past them because I didn't touch that section at all. Um, yeah, uh, when it comes to the bosses, I remember. So the first one you come across is is it Tyrant ninety three or. I think it's 91. 91. Um, <laughs> so we were like, we were like looking at each other. How are we meant to hit the back of this thing? Because the game is clearly trying to tell you to say hit the back. Because um, you, it's very difficult to do that in the way the controls work. Um, so what I ended up doing is just uh, pummeling it with magnum bullets, and then getting upset because it kept killing me. And then on the third <laughs> attempt, right. Because I couldn't aim quick enough, you know. Mm. And then on the third attempt, I just it went down. I just fired 
in a general direction. Like, <laughs> I just fired in front of me, not even at his body, and I killed him. Nice. <laughs> right? But that is not good boss design. No. Yeah. Like, and I didn't feel very, uh, I didn't feel very accomplished doing it. This is a tyrant. This is like the boss, mm. you know, and it made, it didn't make it very exciting. Like Pluto was probably, was probably, probably the most exciting of the bosses. Um, it was creepy. It was gross. Mm. The way it ran at you was disgusting. Mm. Um, and it would just like it's it would run at you with its chest, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was it, it's oh, like belly's was... gonna get you. Exactly. It was, <laughs> it was so gross. Um yeah, I, I even though I like the look of Morpheus, um of Morpheus's first form, mm. um the boss fight was kind of a bit poopy of the first form because it's like they have like this uh, force field around them, which which means that no other bullets can go, no other conventional weaponry can go through them. So you have to use the big gun that you got like three rooms ago. And it's like, okay, well, now you're taking my agency from me as a player right? Um, to try and just aim at this Neo Morpheus, you know, uh, who just darts all over the place. Look, it's like Steve handled that for me because Steve's great at video games. Um, yeah, and then I mean, I think we all got the same opinion about the second form, but we'll talk yeah. about that later on. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll circle back around to that at the end of this. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually have to say that the first Morpheus fight, I actually quite enjoyed it. You know, uh, maybe I'm a bit weird. <laughs> first few attempts, I definitely was swearing at the TV, uh, but taking it a bit slower. I spent most <laughs> of the game just sort of running around, avoiding enemies and stuff like that. But when I took a bit slower, figured out that there was a dodge button. That was the first time I figured out how to dodge right at the end of the game. Um, <laughs> that makes a big difference. And sort of figure out the pattern, know when to sort of hide behind the sort of missile silo pillars or whatever they are uh, for the electric attacks and stuff. Like, it takes it takes a while, but I quite enjoyed it uh, when I got my head around it and actually sat down and did it properly rather than sort of trying to brute force it. Uh, mm. Steve, how did you feel about boss fights and the BOWs? So I, uh, I, I I mixed feelings. I like the BOWs in general in this game. Like uh, the hunters in this, I actually think are more aquatic in nature in terms of the design mm. than say they were in Revelations. And they actually are a lot more prominent in Revelations. There's only like four or five hunters in this game. Yeah, uh, that's true. At least on normal mode when me and James played it. Mm. However, they, they, aside from as being aesthetically a bit weird. All they do is tank a few shotgun blasts and dodge to the side. I, I like the sound design, though. Um, the zombies, I really do like the actual sound design of these guys. Like, uh, only, I only think like the remake of 2 and 3 have made the same kind of horrible hauntingness to them, where they mm. actually sound like ill people that are possessed by uh, uh, horrible hunger or just a, a uncontrollable, like, you know, mental faculties. Which I actually kind of like for a horror game about zombies. That makes sense. Yep. Um, Nautilus and Torpedo Kids, complete garbage. Uh, I just see a giant blob that fires organic missiles, and that's just yeah. boring. That's just meh. Uh, the giant cockroach bosses whose name escapes me, uh, I thought was actually a fun little fight. Uh, a bit attritional, but uh, there's actually an emphasis on evasion. Uh, mm. It's enough for a, even a light gun game that's manageable. And uh, the Glimmers... I will differentiate from James. And I think maybe it's because I have an affinity for the PS2's weird trace line effect. 
uh, I don't know what you probably call it, the little mm. Akira lines. You know, when they they move a light and it's got a blur. Uh, I really like that in the dark. Uh, I also did not manage to kill a single one. I don't know if they've got like a, cer a certain moment when they're vulnerable. Right. Yeah, okay, um, that's not just me. Yeah, and then we get to the bosses. And now I didn't I didn't fight against the tyrant, or at least the first tyrant. Um, uh, but yeah, it just came across as just an attritional mess. Mm. Now, me and James in our most recent playthrough missed a integral file about Pluto, which uh, emphasizes its death. So you can actually just, you know, if you take your time and are very patient, you can snipe him out with the silenced handgun and he'll be confused and bewildered by the whole affair until his brain pops out, which is hilarious. Uh, we had it in a more attritional sense in that we were just literally, you know, choke, uh, swallowing medicine and blasting it with a shotgun at point blank range. It was mm -hmm. not a good time. Mm -hmm. Although uh, points where, where it's due, it perhaps has the most ridiculous sound effect for a large enemy running <laughs> in any game ever made, ever. Yeah, if I don't ever have to hear that sound again, it'll still be too soon. I'm trying to figure out how to, like, it's like, it's like the sound of vomiting backwards. It's unpleasant. Uh, I like Morpheus's first fight, too. Like, I think when you realize the dodge button is integral to that fight and patience, mm. I uh, I almost had a, I got into like a Dark Souls mentality zone Very for zen. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the game should have ended there. I uh, in, in the history of all Resident Evil boss fights ever made, ever from now until the year 2057, the second <laughs> boss fight with Morpheus is easily the <laughs> thing I have ever had to contend with in any game. It's the, like, like uh, James can attest to this, that I uh, I very, very uncharacteristically lost my uh, my mental faculties to the point where I almost threw my pad through the TV screen. I don't do that. I'm not a rage gamer. Guys, uh, Steve, Steve stamped his foot. <laughs> uh, it, it, the game should have ended after Morpheus died. You could just yeah. be running away from an expanding blob. Like that that boss fight is it's I don't know how to describe it other than like he either moves too fast or he moves too slow. The yeah. first phase is a joke. The first time you fight him is a joke. And then mm -hmm. the second time all of a sudden it'll get to the point where you're doing well and then for some reason your bullets just stop having the same effect they do. Right. And he doesn't And then he'll ram you. Doesn't we, damage you. He just one hit kills you if he gets close enough. Yeah. 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 I don't mind one hit kill enemies, but not when like at least in G, you know G5's case, mm. it's like a slow encroaching and dramatic thing. And this is just a giant blob with like neck buttholes and a little head blobs out, and it occasionally thrashes about and does nothing else. It's just <laughs> unsatisfying, and you have to yeah. take ages to get to it. Like, uh, yeah. No. If you die, you have to redo that entire sort of countdown section. I agree. I was. Not happy with the way that ended. Unfortunately, it was yeah. No, huge no underestimation. This must have took us about thirty or forty tries, and I want to strangle the work experience kid who came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. And yeah. then it's the most unsatisfying payoff afterwards, mm. uh, in my opinion, because you don't really even see much. It just expands, explodes, and that's it. Yeah. There's no rocket launcher finale. The, the yeah, big, um, the big MacGuffin weapon doesn't work. But until then, before then. Morpheus's tyrant design may well be one of my favourite tyrants. Mm. Yeah, I, like, I've got some things to say about that definitely when we get there. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. We'll we'll save that for the for the character section. Just to wrap up BOWs though, I just wanted to read something that uh, Patreon supporter Demutant Man sent me uh, to say that exactly like you, Steve. Um, 
I remember loving the aesthetic and it was one of the first titles to use lighting in a way that hid zombies reasonably well when they were outside of flashlight range. The sound might have been whack at parts, but it made my hair stand up when I heard the zombie groan somewhere in the distant shadows. Playing with the gun controller was fun too, though I know it's not for everyone. And uh, going off the back of what Sonny was just saying in chat about Resident Evil 4, my hot take is Resident Evil 4 wouldn't have been as great as it was without Dead Aim. Dead Aim was certainly a departure from other games coming out at the same time. Remake Zero Outbreaks. Uh, the first RE over-the-shoulder game with a zoom-in aiming mechanic. The first time we had a fairly different inventory system. And if you squint hard enough, I'd say Bruce and Fongling are pretty reminiscent of Leon and Ada, which is quite interesting, which brings us nicely to character discussion. Uh, James, what do you think of the cast you could start any we've really only really got three characters to talk about so wherever you want to go lead the way yeah so bruce mcgiven mcgiven <laughs> mcgiven 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 um <laughs> of the u.s stratcom is this the only time that's been mentioned in this in, in this <laughs> franchise i think so yeah, like, I, so. I, I was, what the hell is the U.S. Stratcom? The U.S. Strategic Command Forces, okay. It's a real um, thing, James, <laughs> just so you know. Okay, it's, oh man. It's like, you know when you take yourself too seriously? You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so this, this force is, like, that Bruce is part of, is basically um, another uh, force that is meant to take down Umbrella. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yeah, and Bruce... Uh, Malivan, Ma- Ma- I don't know. It's it's just, it's a weird name. That's such a weird name. Um, he is. He's. I didn't. I didn't. I. I didn't like him. Right. Like he was. Like he. He. He didn't really have a personality. The voice acting for him wasn't great. The voice direction of him wasn't great. The subtitles never fit what he was saying as well as oh, anybody yeah. else in this game. Like. <laughs> it was. Yeah. He. He just was. He was cardboard. And I could see what they were trying to do with these characters. They were trying to create a new, like, kind of branch to go down. You could tell that by the story, which we'll go over later on, right? But, yeah, Bruce, and I think I'll, I'll repeat this for, other than Morpheus, for Fongling as well, they were just, they were just version, they were just, like, beta versions of Ada and Leon. Mm. Like, mm. even, I mean, Steve said when we were playing, like, Bruce has that aesthetic, yeah. You know, he's got the gun holsters over his shoulder. He's got the t- the rolled up T-shirt on, the denim jeans, you know, um, that we're going to see in later games. Um, yeah. You know, Fong Ling was a bit more unique, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked her character design. Um, but her, like, with Fong Ling, her... So, so, oh, yeah. So, first of all, Bruce's, like, motive was, like, he works for the US Dratcom. And he's basically been brought here to deal with the threat that is the Spencer Rain. And then Fong Ling is basically doing the same thing because both of these people, their governments are being um, put under ransom mm-hmm. right now by Morpheus, just to give you guys context. But they also are working against each other, Bruce and Fong Ling, right? So it creates this kind of interesting. Well, I say interesting because I was interested at first. Interesting but then in I, theory. Yeah, because I because <laughs> it 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 got to this point where it was like that. Here's this plot, like him digging the the chip out of Fongling's arm. Yeah, yeah. him just like go. <coughs> of course, you've got a chip in your arm. Like, why did you know that, Bruce? It's so weird. Why? How? What? What do you know, Bruce? What? What is it you know? You know, you must know Galaxy Brain Bruce over here. You know, 
you know and then from that point onwards it was like you know of course they created this romantic relationship together because they spent so long you know in each other's arms i know that if the most generic man alive cut a chip out of my arm i would fall in love with him (laughs) (laughs) and and yeah it it just uh you know without like going on too long it just became this this problem for me personally because this is like a common thing with like stuff back then typical 90s noughties early noughties like romance is like it just happens because reasons and then we get to the end but yeah, they're just they're just leaning on Eva 2.0. or not even 2.0. They're 0.5. Yeah, yeah. You know, 1.5. Yeah. Uh, but the most interesting character is Morpheus. Yes. Um, because this guy, sorry, they because it gets to a point where they are actually uh, amorphous between. Well, they are just beauty incarnate. Mm-hmm. That is what they're trying to put forward. Um, and they've been framed for the uh, for the Raccoon City incident, and now they want to create, which kind of backs on to Resident Evil Five, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, they're trying to create this like uh, uh, uf- like utopia in yeah. Africa eventually, eventually, uh, which is why they need this money to start civilization, right? I thought that was pretty cool. That was a character that I could follow. Like, and I could actually, there's actually a, some kind of uh, basis there. Um, and I really like that with Morpheus. And mm. uh, yeah, the co- cool character. Really, yeah. really like them. Yeah. Um, and before I go any longer, I'm going to let you guys take it. Yeah, I, you know, I will sort of say my piece on Morpheus now. Um, I think he is, I mean, he's without a doubt the most interesting character in this. Uh, it helps that he's tied into sort of the narrative, as you say, of the overall series, like the Raccoon City incident and stuff like that. And his, I suppose his goal is quite interesting in the long run. Um, and his weird obsession with beauty and stuff like that. I also think, I suppose, in current sort of circumstances, looking at this game, and I don't, we don't need to get too deep into this, but of course, he's quite an interesting study in terms of non-binary characters in video games over the years. You know, we've got a few that have cropped up over the last three or four decades um, that people always bring up with transgender and uh you know, non-binary characters. This game's really interesting though because they never, they never outright address it. They they just sort of leave it for you to sort of think about. You know, best of all, they never poke fun of it at any point that I'm at least aware of. Maybe I missed a file mm-hmm. or something. Um, we're just coming off the back of Code Veronica a couple of years ago, uh, and when we talked about that, obviously we 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 said you know maybe um, Alfred in this day and age would be done slightly differently because his sort of uh mental health issues and his cross-dressing are sort of to unnerve and scare the player it's meant to feel a bit weird um and obviously there's he gets called a freak because of it and stuff like that you don't get any of that in this game you get this sort of what you'd call a bishonen character so a very feminine uh japanese male character uh, obsessed with beauty but when he transforms into this tyrant fairly early on into the game he gains visible breasts his feet become sort of almost stiletto-like, very much healed. His voice shifts in pitch uh, between sort of more traditionally masculine and feminine voices. I just find it highly interesting, especially because they don't make a big thing of it. They don't ask you to make any assumptions about it. They don't make fun of it. It's just what a strange decision for 2003 um, that has held up. Okay, he's a bad guy, sure. That's fairly standard, unfortunately, for queer characters. Uh but it holds up really interestingly uh, nearly 20 years later. So for me, I was just 
even you know being a queer person myself even regard of that i thought it was quite interesting uh but of course it's <laughs> next to stuff people like bruce and fong ling who as we james you quite rightly said are just the most boring people alive fong ling maybe <laughs> fong ling's again also interesting um sort of in reflection because china has become sort of like an important part of resident evil law from six and recently infinite darkness so that's quite interesting but uh, they're, they're overall they're sort of bleh and then you've got morpheus which is this character that yeah i guess makes you think um kelsey what do you think of the overall cast of dead aim uh, uh exactly what you said about morpheus like 100 percent agree my my honest reaction was oh okay yeah this there's there is no fun poking or anything like no. that you know yeah. that and that i noticed that and i thought kudos to them you know i, I was waiting great, for so. like bruce to say something and nope nothing yeah 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 so which made me just enjoy the design of morpheus even more and I was yeah like, i thought it was really cool design. That's yeah really really good uh really pleased with that um just uh on a yeah the most uh unimaginative reimagining of leon and ada is <laughs> bruce and fon ling and to add on to what james said the u.s stratcom He's actually a member of the Anti-Umbrella Pursuit Investigation Team, which is almost an anagram for armpit. Just kind of kind of sums him up. He's a bit of an armpit character. <laughs> it's, it's just so, so disappointing. Now, one redeeming quality, I will say, I love Southern characters, and I see that they try to... Again, this is another Western thing. The game's called Dead Aim, which is, you know, there's like Western, there's like three Western movies called Dead Aim. He's from the South. He's got the bit of the cowboy swagger about him, but it's so, and I like those characters. Like I really like Sawyer from Lost. He's like a, like a cowboy mm. kind of character. Um, and they're generally a bit rugged and they have a nice redemption arc. None of that here with Bruce. It's just really badly delivered, which is a shame. Um, <laughs> uh, the actor, both actors um, for... Uh, Bruce and Fondling have like two or three IMDb credits. They've never really worked again much right. after this. Um, so that lets it down a bit. The, the, the relationship between those two is just weird. Like you say, it's, there's no depth. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about the story, obviously. But character wise, yeah, really unimaginative. Those two so confused about what was going on with the chip. And then, like you say, how did he know? I thought that exact same thing. And then the just you know the embrace and stuff at the end. It's like, are you are you serious? <laughs> like the it, biggest laugh out loud from that last it, little scene. It's so stupid. Even even by cliche standards, this game is so short. It's like you know, if this was maybe a twenty hour game, I would have pulled my eyes, but been less forgiving. But they mm. seem to have known each other for like an hour. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird. Um. Yeah, just the performances, just the, there's nothing much to them. To You don't yeah. learn anything about the characters apart from where they're from and who they're working for. Um, Morpheus, the most inf- interesting character. You're going to have a spin-off from the main franchise. You need that connective thread. Uh, Morpheus is that connective thread. Um, mm. I like the little retconning that, yeah, perhaps Morpheus worked at Umbrella or, or di- that they did work at Umbrella and were, you know, in the, in the Arclay lab, I think. So that's nice, you know, these little... Um, threads as i keep saying to the other franchise and i've got to give points to that but character wise this game is not about character depth really so mm, there's not yeah. too much to say if i'm honest 
That's fair. And arguably with Bruce, uh, I should have put him in the B.O.W. section rather than the character section because, uh, you know, he's quite boring and his voice performance isn't very good. But also he looks like a monster. Like, (laughs) what's going on? He just doesn't look human most of the time. His neck is like three feet long sometimes. He's, oh, his neck. It's, it's I bizarre. thought I was imagining that. There's a, <laughs> no, no. There's a piece of character yeah. art for Bruce McGiven. I think if you Google him, it probably comes up. It's just his sort of standard character art. I'm pretty sure it's in the instruction manual. And he, he's got a sort of weird, like, inhuman stretched out pose in that. And I thought maybe it's just weird artwork. But no, it actually fits with the game. When he's doing... <laughs> you know strenuous activity he's next just flying around all over the place just yeah. <laughs> it's so weird wow. there's it's Did we aren't notice. we're not yet at Oak uncanny valley at this point in 2003 we haven't figured out how to make a human yet so we still we haven't got to that point <laughs> uh steve what did you think of bruce's disturbing neck and also personality <laughs> the disturbing neck well i, I um I, uh, you know when if, if if someone had to make a buy the numbers knockoff re4 and it wasn't made by capcom I feel like this is the result we would have got. Mm, no offense yeah. to Fongling and Bruce. Uh, Bruce feels like if you dial up the idiot mode on Leon's brain, <laughs> I mean, it, it says a lot that your opening introduction to this character is in being held up at gunpoint by the main villain, mm. you know, and then getting his ass kicked in every other cutscene he appears in, mostly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm much like KDB. I, I do like, you know, the odd cowboy and, and, and Southern style characters because they could be interesting. And Resident Evil doesn't really have one besides Bruce, at least as far as I can remember. For so it's stayer, a shame. But I don't think that counts. <laughs> have they had a single <laughs> spoken word of dialogue? Sadly, you know, no. <laughs> you know. And then Fongling, I, I didn't hate as much because they were openly antagonistic and like, you know, uh, you know, same purpose, but doesn't mean same side and holding him up at gunpoint and being basically a pain in the arse. Until randomly some kind of like, I don't know, a love potion spilt on her at some point that we don't see and she's infatuated with him. <laughs> uh, not to mention she works for an agency that will happily fire an orbital laser at her. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, yeah, no. I mean, fair play to the actors. It, uh, for me, personally, uh, the way I see it is the voice actor and actress... Uh, they seem to be either recording in the same room, or there's some there's some wet level of like winking or giggling you can feel that the voice actors are doing in between takes. Mm. At least that's the way I, I t- generally see it. I, I don't I don't see it as sterlingly bad or not. I just see it as it looks like the voice actors are having fun. Uh, yeah. Act- uh, just to just to interject, um, Crimson Head, our friends did uh, a podcast a fair few years ago with some of the cast members from Dead Aim. Um, and yeah, that was what they've said. You know, they would they would just had fun in the studio for a couple of days. It wasn't anything taken too seriously, um, and none of them were particularly well versed in voice acting or anything. They just sort of were people that were just, uh, you know, in Japan. They're Americans in Japan, I think, uh, picking up whatever jobs they could in entertainment. So as Kelsey said, I think mm. uh, they don't have many IMDb credits because they're not well. They were not and are not established voice actors. They're just people that Capcom happened to pick. So there you go. Sorry, Steve. Carry on. No, I was saying that's his very similar regards to like RE1. Then you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, Morpheus is the standout. They are interesting, uh, despite the fact they only get like three or four dialogue scenes. I think in total, and most of them yeah. are "Your gun is ugly." or I'm going to kill you, <laughs> or I'll never die. But then you have like the law notes to flesh them out and stuff. Uh, I think the aesthetic and the, the fact that it's only utilised really once or twice 
of the Stalker variant of Morpheus's Tyrant form is great. Um, the the gender stuff, I think, is uh, you know, it's it's not ever played for laughs, and I think that's a great thing. You know, uh, I'm always one for more representation of video games. Uh, I'm also not qualified to make these decisions. I am just you know a cishet dude. You know, I'm not going to like make any judgment calls on that one, other than you know, if you guys are happy with it, I'm happy with it, and I'll support you along the way. Uh, but that saying that I want to be stalked by like, you know, a 10 foot tall stiletto tyrant that's laughing and can dodge bullets and has lightning. Cause that on paper, that sounds like too many things, but strangely, I don't, I feel like to, the, the first form is actually okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's decent. And the, the, the introduction to it where Morpheus takes a straight bullet to the face and then just turns around, smirks and, you know, pimp slaps Bruce <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's a fantastic little scene uh, and then it turns to a giant butthole blob monster and Steve wants to rip the disc in half mm. but up until then yeah no I uh, think they're okay and the, the fact that I, the, the, the scapegoating always confused me I, is it because of the mansion incident or is it the Raccoon City incident because like, uh, if right. it's the Raccoon City incident I would headcanon that as he might have been the people who told Honk's team to go in or something um, to make it justifiable. From what I understand, I yeah, I don't know if there's a particular reason why they blamed him. I know he worked for, I think he worked in waste disposal, I think. Um, uh, Sonny in the chat says Manson incident, which to my mind means that yeah. William Birkin sees the CCTV of James Marcus's leech, like, you know, regal um, Sephiroth form, mm. doesn't realise who it is, looks <laughs> at one other person with long hair and goes, must have been them. And this is obviously before <laughs> RE2 goes down. So it's just a case of mistaken identity that's gone so wrong. So again, it's all Birkin's fault. <laughs> I'll take that. You know what? Let's just go with that. <laughs> all right. Well, that neatly brings us up to story then. Let's talk about the story of Dead Aim. Uh, we touched upon a lot of it. Um, I think most important way to roll it in is the fact that a lot of its story, actually kind of similar to Resident Evil 2, I suppose, in a way, has already taken place. Uh, you read about more of it through files than anything else. The game really does drop about two-thirds of the way into the story. Um, as we said, Morpheus infects himself pretty early on in the game, um, which is quite interesting. I kind of like that. I like Resident Evil games where it's kind of up to you how much of the story you want to take in. You know, you can fully run past all of the zombies and run past all the stories and not really bother about any of it. Or you can track down the files and learn about Morpheus being blamed for the Arkley incident. Um him stealing T-Virus uh, from the Paris facility, which is a cool little thing. And I assume G as well at some point. Uh, his sort of goals to build his utopia in Africa. Th- those are all things that you learn about through files, not through cutscenes or anything like that. I guess my only complaint would be that files don't sort of glint at you like items do. So it's quite easy to accidentally miss some, I think. I don't know how many of them I picked up, but I certainly feel like I didn't get all of them, uh, even though I've probably read them all online before. Uh, but nonetheless, I, 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 that's what I like about it. You know, the, the, the story is kind of subtle and vague, if you like, uh, but it's there to dig into if you're into that. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about the, the story of Dead Aim? Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the general thrust <laughs> okay. of this story is that Morpheus is basically holding the well, holding America and China hostage with like T-virus missiles to get mm-hmm. some money. So they could build their own little paradise on the uh, southern tip of Africa to build their own uh, weird ideological utopia, which sounds very eugenics-y with uh, right, a, a little bit of catwalk modelism. I don't know how you describe <laughs> it. Uh, and Bruce and uh, Fongling have been sent in to stop it. 
and uh, Bruce is a complete bumble. Uh, I don't want to use the rest of swear words, but a complete a complete don't uh, do Google donut, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's down to Fong Ling to save him, and then. Actually, yeah, happy smeller, happy smelly in chat makes a very good point. It's out of heaven, but make it fashionable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Metal Gear fans, I like that. Yeah, that's definitely it. You know, uh, Morpheus is now big boss. For some reason, for some reason, you know, the the Chinese government capitulates and decides to pay Morpheus the ransom. And then decides, I have one agent who could potentially stop us and save us this money. We are going to shoot with an ion cannon from space. <laughs> and then it's down to Bruce to save them by uh, amputating a tattoo out of their arm. I'm still like, reeling from the fact that we have another orbital laser in the Resident Evil cannon, by the way. Um, yeah. And then Bruce just goes in, picks up a ray gun. Uh, it, it basically forces Morpheus to go into blob mode, shoots it. He turns to a blob, destroys his own missiles. They miraculously survive, and then a James Bond ending of all things. Like, <laughs> it, it, it makes RE4 look well written, and I know <laughs> RE4 is divisive. I like it. It needs its other games to make it, uh, you know, make the law be more appreciate, appreciated. Yeah, uh, Dead Aim is obviously a standalone title for a reason. Uh, mm. it, it services the plot, but honestly, it's uh, yeah. You could just turn around and say, yeah, Bruce is a complete tool. Uh, Fong Ling uh, has uh, incredible patriotism, just don't want to go back to China after being shot at by an orbital space beam. And uh, Morpheus, the scapegoat, is also a bit of a, a crazy loony person who, like, because thou hath obeyed my voice, may or may not have a bit of a narcissistic ego about him. Yeah, um, fair play. I mean, as I said, I like games where it's the plots in the files. I didn't say I like the story. <laughs> My first note is literally story. There is one question mark because, yeah, once you get going, there isn't exactly a series of events that unfold, is there? It's kind of like walking on ice. You just go, you go and you go and you go until you stop. It's just as simple as that. Um, Kelsey, how did you feel about the story and the plot of Dead Aim? Sorry, my first note is story. What is there, really? <laughs> there you go. Um, Steve summed up. Okay. Yes. You, no, you summed up the plot and actually you made me think there was more to it than there, than I did before. So I thought the, of the plot was really good. Um, it's just so thin. Like this game is obviously it's a light gun game. First and foremost, the story takes such second precedent. Uh, it's mm -hmm. thin. It's there, like there's influences from like James Bond, as we said, and 24 as well. 24 was like the most popular TV show on when this yeah. game was released. Um, but it's all just so secondary to what happens. And the most interesting parts of the story is the files in this one. It is Morpheus. Um, yeah, the way the story wraps up is just weird. Like, the ending is just... It doesn't feel like a resolution. It's just a blob explosion, credits, and then horrendous mid-credit sequence. Um, <laughs> the, the story that's inside all, all, all that light gun game is very, very thin. And as we keep saying, this game is so short. I mean, I finished it in under three hours. I don't know how much you can fit into three hours when it's a game. Not mm. a great deal. Um, I don't have too much to say, honestly. It's just it's, it's very, very thin. Um, but I do like Morpheus and the connections to the rest of the franchise. Right, that's fair. Uh, James, any final thoughts on story and plot? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I don't have anything written down because there isn't much to the story. <laughs> yeah, I can understand <laughs> that. Um, but there is 
something interesting which they could definitely build on in the future if they ever wanted to revisit this mini franchise, this branch off. Like, the thing that I'm interested in is who are these celebrities and VIPs that have been buying these BOWs? Like, who are they? Are, are they the connections, potentially? Are mm, there connection things here? The family? It could be a variety. You know, if you were to ask me my headcanon, it would be, yeah, various criminal syndicates and uh, probably other nations' uh, governments. You, you've got like Eastern yeah. Slav Republic and all those. Right, that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, terrorist which, organizations and, and governments which, doing it on the sly. Yeah, which means, you know, it kind of connects in a way... Uh, it connects to other games, you know. Oh, you yeah. can you can headcanon that, um, totally, into, yeah. Like and connect them to, uh, like the way the reason other games have got like, and because they've got you know every freaking organization in this franchise has a like god complex, you know they will say they were the one who did it first, <laughs> you know. But like we all know it wasn't, you know. We we all know it was Umbrella in you know in nineteen eighty eight. And beforehand, who did that? Nineteen, yeah, nineteen eighty-eight. Um, that is kind of the only thing I've been very interested in, also, other than Morpheus and what his eventual plans would would have been. Sure. And I, I think maybe someone may have like gotten um, maybe the the plans or like an inkling of uh, what Morpheus was going to do, and that's why we got Resident. You know, that's why we got the the link to Resident Evil Five, which I really liked. Um, but in terms of characters in and their story we don't learn about it mm. the ending is bad um it's a worse resident evil 4 ending you know? <laughs> yeah and, actually yeah yeah and and like the resident evil 4 ending isn't great yeah <laughs> you know um even though the game is fantastic um oh wow yeah no i um it is interesting it makes you wonder um how much Morpheus knew. Picking Africa seems very specific, very interesting, considering that obviously down the line we'd find out that that's where the progenitor virus came from. Um, but right. They, but more than that, as you said, you know, this does actually have a bit of sort of connected tissue to four and five with with biohazards on the black market. So it's nice to see that sort of represented, uh, however briefly, in this game. It does actually have not an important part, but it fits nicely into the timeline, definitely. Yeah, like... A- and in summary, like there isn't much to the story. It's mm. there isn't much there, and even the files don't really add a tremendous amount. But it, it yeah, it does it does link up some things, but yeah. not like as important as previous uh, releases or later releases. Yeah. Hey, can I uh, interject? I just want to say, with Infinite Darkness now having been a thing and implicating the U.S. government being on the shadier side, it could be argued that Bruce's intentions if it was ever used, aren't necessarily pure. Uh, and this is pure headcanon on my part, but the idea of we've played a previous protagonist who is not actually a great person, mm-hmm. make any sense, uh, would probably make this a lot more interesting for me. Unfortunately, Bruce is like wholesomely boring and a bumble. Yeah. He's uh, most certainly, he's one of these characters that's just never going to come back, which, you know, I guess that's not too bad because he's not all that interesting. But as you say, perhaps it would be cool to see him his sort of side of working with the government and doing the missions that he's been enlisted for compared to somebody like a Leon, for example, when you talk about Infinite Darkness and how that ends, uh, that kind of thing would be interesting to see. But Dead Aim is just one of those games now that just Capcom 
just don't acknowledge, you know, it's it's a spin-off game forever lost on the PS2. It's never been ported forward. Uh, so it's just going to be one of those titles that just gets lost to time and is not is not really regarded as important in the grand scheme of things. You know, however, whichever way you slice that. Which, which I think is, is, in a way, is kind of sad considering maybe, I don't know whether they did it by accident or not, but the work they put into Morpheus. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I... I I hope that can be picked up again, you know, in the future, um, more on them and like who they are and where they could have gone potentially, um, or somebody else who picks up the baton. Yeah, it'd be cool. All right, let's wrap up with some talk about sort of the aesthetics of Dead Aim. We've touched upon quite a lot of this, but uh, I'm sure we will have some further points to make about these sort of visuals and the audio, good, the good and the bad. Um, James, why don't you start with this one? Uh, how did you feel about Dead Aim, aesthetically speaking? It's the, like visuals? Visuals or audio, whatever you like. Okay, so visuals, um, I I was happy with the visuals other than the fact that Bruce's face in game looked nothing <laughs> like a human. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even Fong Ling's, like, you know, was different mm. from FMVs and stuff. Like, it, it, they were just completely different people. Um, and I feel, and as you guys have said, I feel like, like every level, Bruce's neck got longer by hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, um, you know, or maybe it's like the you know the Mars bar argument. You know, you live long enough. No, that's the other way around. Never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> It was passable. Like the the visuals of the game were passable, and they were okay. Like I I got nothing to complain about them because it, it was it was an early, it was early noughties and things. Like back then, things were so wild in terms of graphics that and how how games looked. Like I can't I can't really fault it for that. Mm. Um, but the audio, what audio? Like mm. like there was as I was going through as we were going through like the ship, me and Steve were constantly going. You know, at first we were kind of in denial. You know, we were like, okay, maybe he's trying to put some suspense in. And we had like a little bit of suspense. And then we realized we could just run by the zombies. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was no music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, and Steve said he remembered there being music, right? But then we went into Fong Ling's side and there'd be music all the time. Mm. Like, music it, stretched, James. It was more of an assault on a keyboard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like they were trying to, again, like going back to my previous point, like a few, uh, uh, subjects ago is like they were trying to make Bruce's section suspenseful mm. like and Fong Ling's were all about action like but it just felt empty because we weren't doing anything we were just right. running by things um, so really the audio like in terms of the music didn't add anything to, for me they could have either, either put the, the smashing on the keyboard on both or on either it wouldn't have made <laughs> right. a difference yeah um in terms of like the, the way they get the gun sound, um, they sound they sound good. Yep. You know, yeah. they sound fine. Um, monsters sound cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 hunters kind of terrified me a bit because I put in two hundred rounds into one and it still didn't die. <laughs> um, but then we shotgunned and it died in two shots. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't think I've got anything else to add because there That's isn't fair. really much. Yeah, of no, it. you're you're right. You know, I agree. The the gun 
Gun sounds are fine. They're good. You know, um, this is a weird one, but maybe not for a Resident Evil game. The door sounds are nice. <laughs> quite enjoyed, quite enjoyed <laughs> the doors. How, that's how bad this was. We're talking Spray about the door yeah. sounds. <laughs> but here, here's my hot take then. Everyone loves the save theme and it's really good. But I wonder that, I wonder if that's because it's the only piece of music in the game, basically. <laughs> People are like, oh, music. Oh, I remember what music's like. <laughs> All the rest of the game, as you said, is near enough silent. I do like sort of the ambient noises of areas and you've got some weird stuff as you enter the rooms that does occur and the monster sounds are good. And... But yeah, just there is a distinct lack of music and the music that you do get. Save room's good. I really like the sort of like fretless, bassy, jazzy thing at the beginning when you boot the game up. And of course, you've got the credits song. <laughs> The uh, very 2003 edgy sort of new metal, Japanese new metal track, Gunshot. Uh, that's definitely a thing that happens. But but yeah, I mean, hard to, hard to disagree with any of the kind of audio speaking. And again, visuals as well. It's an okay looking game, but the locations are all... They're sort of bleeding together. They're all very grey and sort of murky <clears throat> and not very interesting to look at, really, are they? I mean, graphics are fine, but the actual identity of the locations is just kind of bland. Uh, Steve, how did you feel about the audio and visuals of Dead Aim? I'll go with the pros first. Yeah. Uh, I I am much much like my compatriots. I believe the, the gun sounds are adequately uh, satisfying, I believe. I think they all have the right level of like punch and bite to them. Uh, I've already said about how I like the zombies and how they sound. Mm. Uh, I uh, It tickles parts of my brain that when I'm hearing footfalls of characters that I know have not been in a Resident Evil franchise but a Silent Hill one. Like, I swear, <laughs> I'm hearing footsteps in Silent Hill and I'm hearing Silent Hill doors in a Resident Evil game and that tickles my brain. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you might be right, weirdly. And uh, with the map as well, I'm like, hang on a minute. Mm. Who, who was the sub-developer for this again? Uh, you know... <laughs> Otherwise, it's okay. Like, uh, it's not not gonna like be amazing. As other people have said, the music is uh, you know you've got the one save room track, that little ditty as you boot up the game and the prelude, and then uh, Japanese new metal. So uh, yeah, it's okay. Visually, I um I think it's pretty poor actually for mm. a PS2 game. Uh, like, because I, I remember PS2, admittedly different budgets, but I remember like Metal Gear Solid, you know the the Tekken games. Uh, the Final Fantasy games. And right. even they could have some atrocious in-game models, but not always. And I honestly think, with the, 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 obviously the lighting is, I, I feel like it's a memory-saving issue because you're always in pitch darkness for the most part with like a bit of light around you or maybe a little bit of light in the distance, especially out of the ship. Mm. Uh, mm, no, I, I feel like to get that 60 frames for a light gun game, they have made a lot of compromises visually. Uh, I'm probably getting my head on the chopping block for that. Uh, but I, I I don't think it looks very good at all. If Bruce's in-game character model doesn't sell you on that. <laughs> you know, the FMVs are nice. I would say the FMVs for the time right. are some of the best on PS2 hmm. in terms of visual quality. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I can see where you're coming from, certainly, with all of that. Um, Kelsey, what's your thoughts on visuals and audio? I've got a couple of things to say, but before I get into my audio-visual thoughts, you know when James said, every time you see Bruce... His neck is longer. Yes. I, I mean, I'm still laughing about it in my head because it's so spot on. But does anyone remember Scary Movie 3? There's a scene, it rips off signs when the sheriff walks up and her hat is a certain size. And every time that camera cuts back, her hat is, gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's this like ginormous, like 10 foot hat that she can't barely get in the car with. And I just, 
struggling to sort of put my thoughts together because I just can't stop thinking about that <laughs> and this neck. Because towards the end where they're both in the lift, there is one in particular shot where he's like profile on Bruce. And I was like, I'm not imagining this. His neck is freakishly long. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a, a sticking point for this game. Um, I'll be a bit more brutal. But like Steve said, the FMVs look amazing. You know, they're way too good for this game. Mm. Um, a lot of the budget clearly went on to the FMVs. So no huge complaints there, really. Um, the, the audio is bad, uh, but the, the way they look is good. Outside of that, it's just really uninspiring. It, it's borderline PS1 graphics. The characters sort of look okay, but mm. the environments just look really poor. Uh, Code Veronica came out before this and it's like infinitely better and MGS2 like Steve said which again I know uh, people I know there's different budgets and and I know that some people I think Sherwin said made a great point about Code Veronica on the podcast about it saying that it lost some of the texture and interest that the pre-rendered backgrounds give you which he's completely right about but still the graphics and detail in Code Veronica are better than this game yeah um, yeah the um the mechanics like steve said to make it a light gun took the precedent visuals suffered because of it um they're just really really not great um the audio mixing is so bad you can barely hear them in the cutscenes. um sounds like the levels are all over the place the gun sound effects yeah no complaints i suppose um but the bow noises again sometimes they they sound like they're just recorded with like different equipment and they're all different quality um yeah the the visuals and audio really really let this game down for me um the so the soap opera like telenovela music when you first fire up the game is just <laughs> so utterly ridiculous <laughs> so i laughed at that i do enjoy it for that but for the wrong reasons mm. um then there's no soundtrack there's just no music there's the save room theme and then there's that weird theme that i think they reuse four times and like that's it so just that side of things is a big disappointment for me uh, there's things i do like about this game and as i mentioned the the concept of the mechanics i like but yeah the outside of the fmvs just really rubbish um which might sound harsh but i think yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be brutal at this point fair enough fair enough well that brings us to conclusions final thoughts Final reviews on Resident Evil Dead Aim. Uh, Steve, let's start with you. What are your your final impressions of Dead Aim? We really appreciated this game and had a lot of fun with it. And I know it has a, uh, a place on a pedestal somewhat, somewhat in the Resident Evil community. And I feel almost like I'm going to get shot for saying this, but I don't see why. Like, I, I get the novelty of a light gun game, and uh, I can appreciate the fact we've got the appearances of two, uh, you know, world governments doing things. Uh, Morpheus is cool and interesting, but can't hold the entire game on on their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, Bruce is like, what if Leon had took a power drill to the brain <laughs> in terms of a character? <laughs> Fong Ling is antagonistic for a while and then just completely gets like some kind of joy pulled out of her and becomes just a I like Bruce machine. Mm. So, uh, meh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you know, uh, I like the save room theme, but again, it's probably because it's the only piece of music in the game, fundamentally, besides the uh, the Gunsha Gunshot song. <laughs> uh, and the final boss could go f*** itself. <laughs> Brutal. But, you know, art is subjective. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Kelsey, <laughs> what are your final thoughts on Dead Aim? Are you going to be quite as brutal as that? Uh, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this get it's got Resident Evil in the title, and I know the games have varied across the franchise. We sort of we can have our opinions on what makes a Resident Evil game, but for me, like the lack of a decent story and atmosphere and audio in general, just really let this one down. Um, mm. You know, I can let simple graphics go, just if there's some depth elsewhere, but there isn't really. It it makes a really good effort to broaden gameplay and bring in players who might want something more than a light gun game, which. You know, I think some people may have been really irked by Survivor and thought, oh, it's just a first-person on-rails shooter. At least technically, they push the boundaries with this, And but I think a lot of the other stuff, as I mentioned, gets sacrificed because of it. So it just ends up being a good effort and a good attempt. Unless I've got a light gun, I'm never going to play it again. Um, you don't learn enough about the main characters. They end up being really boring. I like Morpheus and the connections to the other franchise, but you know, the the subtle references to Umbrella and the Tyrant and Hunters, cool. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs mm-hmm. up, thumbs up. Um, but just missed opportunity for some deeper story. You know, if it was a bit, if it was a couple of hours longer, um, maybe with a bit more budget, some more time spent on it, it could have been, yeah, just a lot better. It's like a like a two out of five, something like that for me. Stretching for a two out of five. Ooh. I'm trying to be generous. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm, this is would be like really silly fun when you're 12 years old with a light gun. But I, yeah, I just came away with it feeling quite disappointed. Um, yeah, bit of Fair a enough. miss for me. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be a bit more positive. Um, I said sort of early on that I think if I'd have bought this at the time, full price, especially, I would have been disappointed. Uh, I think where I am now, I'm way less disappointed than I would have been. Uh, perhaps that's because I already had it on the shelf and I didn't have to pay any money for it I don't know Um, but I enjoyed it for what it was Um, and perhaps elements of nostalgia not necessarily for this game because I'd never played it before but for that time in gaming um, this can sound a bit like a weird one really because the sort of perspective of Resident Evil games is always a contentious thing to talk about over the shoulder first person fixed camera but these days, I feel like Resident Evil knows a bit more about what it is and gaming in general uh, to not buck some trends and not try some new stuff. Okay, we've got online multiplayer stuff with Resistance and Reverse, hopefully, if it ever comes out. Uh, but even that plays how you'd expect and you'd understand it. Stuff like this in the early 2000s, when I don't want to use the term Wild West, feels a bit overplayed, but... It really was just a moment where it was like, let's just try stuff and see what sticks. Uh, it was kind of like, as you guys have said, um, like a pre-RE4, RE4. It was a time of transition in gaming in general, uh, but especially for the series. So I kind of like it for that. It's a really interesting sort of moment in time. Um, and it has some some charm to it. Um, maybe even some of the, the bad stuff is kind of at least funny in a charming way. Bruce's neck, for example. <laughs> but yeah, there are elements that I actually kind of like. I'm glad I played it. I probably won't play it very often, but at least it's short, so you can blaster it if you want. Um, there's, yeah, there was some stuff in this that I really did enjoy, but I can completely understand why playing it now 
it does fall a bit flat for a lot of people. Um, James, where do you land with Dead Aim? What's your final thoughts? Uh, McGiven, boo. Fongling, you can do better. Okay? <laughs> like, really. <laughs> Morpheus, a really great character for a mediocre game. Um, mm. Like, oh, yeah. I just, Morpheus would have been a great character in a game that had better story writing and way, like, you were saying earlier on how they were, you know, it's not on them, right? But they were just having a laugh with the voice acting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was in an era where we weren't taking this kind of stuff very seriously. Right, this know, is true. That's true. We should have been. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to have hit them in, an, in another character, in another game. The cover art is dope, <laughs> but it doesn't like connect to the game at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the crosshair, but everything else, no. Like, you don't get the, like, you got, it's got the really cool kind of, um, like, the contrast of the red and the black and the white, but you never see any of that in this movie, in, in this movie, in this, uh, in this game. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, when you look at the, um, the American and Japanese artwork, that is bright and vibrant and orange, which is definitely not like the game either. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, if I was gonna give it, if I was gonna give it some owls uh, out of five, I'll get it. <laughs> I'll give it two point eight. Okay. Uh, out of five, um, and most of that is just due to Morpheus. Right. Um, yeah, it having like no music, no suspense, being able to rush through the game in under thirty minutes if you, you know, you play it long enough. Um, yeah, uh, I won't play this game again. Mm -hmm. um, but I would be excited if somebody picked up what Morpheus was trying to put down. <laughs> like, you know, again, if somebody right. did try and do that. Um, yeah, I there were certain bits of it I enjoyed, but predominantly most of the game I didn't really enjoy that much. Fair enough. That's fair. I feel like maybe fair I'm just a Morpheus. Survivor games. Just, Sorry, go on, Steve. I was like, fair play to Morpheus. It's not the world will burn in an inferno of hate. This is true. He doesn't have. <laughs> they have their own goal. Different. They yeah, want to build yeah. their own like twisted little nation on the mm -hmm. tip of Africa, which is more interesting than the usual. So right points. And, and also on top of that, while while we're at it, um, he sort of predates many Resident Evil characters. Going, I'm going to take um, revenge on Umbrella or whoever by infecting myself. This is still fairly early on and he does yeah it. they do it out of in desperation right right at the beginning as well as opposed to right at the end as well so that's different yeah. uh, on top of that so you know oh. there's some stuff there yeah that's also something i wanted to actually a positive was i did like the beginning mm. i like that you're just kind of thrown, thrown in there into it, yeah yeah and you're like kind of you have to you're like oh whoa wait wait what's going on mm -hmm. you know why is this happening and then you but that's kind of where it stops because you're suddenly at chunk you know you're at a sudden stop mm. and it's very hard to find out in terms of what's going on around this ship and what's happening um but yeah the beginning is very is very cool i did like that kind of new twist it does bring a lot of new and exciting things to the the, the genre and i think maybe due to this game as sunny said earlier and other folks have too like it has improved games in mm -hmm. the future mm -hmm. um because it's like oh what should we do what shouldn't we do what should we keep on what shouldn't we right yeah in terms of uh how how the gameplay goes and stuff so yeah i can give it that yeah i think this season's 
been a bit funny. We've been had a couple of these entries where we've had a couple of negative podcasts, which isn't generally uh, the tone that we we go for. Um, but to be honest, absolutely. But like compared to something like when you look at those podcasts that we've had in recent months, Infinite Darkness, most of us didn't particularly care much for that. We've also talked about Umbrella Core, and this is way above any of that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. Join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more at fasprayPod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word. You can also support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash FASPRAYPOD for as little as $1 a month. In our next episode, we get back on course after our schedule change to pull out our file of facts of character profiles as we study every appearance of Leon Scott Kennedy. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Sinyak underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. James is at Moist Dowler OFF. And Kelsey is at K underscore D underscore B underscore. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. Like, you know, I, yeah, I was harsh on Survivor, but in comparison, Survivor's like a fucking, if, if this is a fucking four or something, Survivor's a goddamn eight. You know? Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've been way too harsh on these reviews. Uh, well, you know, and podcast breakdowns. I think it's just, mm. uh, as I say, we've had a funny run of subjects this year. It's just the way it's worked out. Because at the beginning well, of the season. Leon, though. We yeah, true. <laughs> I would like to know your vocation. Uh, <laughs> the beginning of this year, we did RE one, RE four, and Village when it was brand new. So lots of big, exciting stuff. And now at the end of the season, we've just wound it's up. Like, it's stuff. like going downhill, isn't it? Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's a fall on pendulum scale. We've gone from the high highs to low lows. Yeah, let's hope that the new film's really good then. <laughs> <laughs> Holes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, your hopes on that. That didn't sound. That sounded a lot like what Steve like sounded like after the end boss. Oh God! <laughs> no, no, that, that was a f- full-on stand-up yeah. moment in shock, oh, and it yeah. was over.